We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to BetOnline and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 in March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. With multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. But, Jack, how are we doing? Who needs Kevin Durant when you got baby Durant, Karis LeVert? Karis LeVert, career night, comeback complete in Boston. Nets win 129-120. Before we get into it, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, we got to start with Karis. 51 points, 37 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. One of my all-time favorite performances from one of my all-time favorite players. The Nets, Karis LeVert, had 14 points in the first three quarters, Nick. 37 in the fourth and OT. Nobody, I repeat, nobody over the last 20 seasons has scored more in the fourth quarter in OT. The closest person was in 2002 and was Latrell Sprewell. And Trey Young did it uh, last year. He got 33 points. So, Carol Slavert is making history, baby. It was a historic game. I mean... The one thing I think that impressed me so much, obviously the fact he scored 51 points is ridiculous and then being super clutch scoring 37 in the fourth quarter in overtime. 
but he was doing it against good defenders. He was scoring on Jalen Brown. He was scoring on Marcus Smart. He was scoring on some of these double teams. He was just in his bag in all different ways. You know, I think early on his confidence was just soaring because he was consistently kind of getting to the rim. And when uh, Boston had Ennis Cantor out there, his rim protection was so bad, it just kind of allowed Karras to get in that rhythm. And then by the time the fourth quarter came, Boston was playing a little bit lax, giving him those open threes, and he cashed out. Carol Slavert outscored the Boston Celtics in the fourth quarter in overtime. He, the Celtics scored 34 points. Carol Slavert scored 37 points. It, it, it boggles belief. And, you know, I know you've been uh, as big a Carol Slavert stand as I've been a Joe Harris stand. A massive night for him. It, this is, I mean, the, the, the 360 and the, sorry, the 180 that we've sort of taken, we spoke about it on previous episodes and like, okay, who is the untouchable guy out of the Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Carol Slavert? And I mean, yes, it is one game, but that one game speaks volumes in so many ways. I mean, we'll go through the box score, Nick. It is just otherworldly. 51 points on 17 to 26 shooting. 5 of 10 from 3. He's been getting some lessons from Joe Harris and bloody Stephen Curry. 12 of 18 from the three th- from the free throw line, including those three clutch free throws of late. I was really nervous. It was the, uh, literally the only five seconds I got to watch at the game at lunchtime, <laughs> and they were the best five seconds of anything I've had in my life. And uh, I know about <laughs> short five seconds fun spans about that. We know about that, my friend. Five assists, a steal, four rebounds, including three offensive rebounds, but and only three turnovers. My dude is just, your dude is just, uh, I don't have words. I do not have words. He scored all the Nets points in overtime. He scored all 11 points himself. So he just put the team on his back. And I mean, it was just crazy to see. And and by the time overtime hit, he was hitting every shot. He was getting fouled on jump shots, still hitting it, hit a turnaround mid-range jumper too. Like it was a ridiculous game. And look what you said though, the three turnovers and the efficiency is what makes it so ridiculous. He only shot the ball 26 times, only played 35 minutes and still scored 51 points. That's tough to do. I mean, Kevin Durant put it beautifully himself. That 50 was beautiful, Vert. I like how he calls him Vert. That's sick. Thank you for that masterpiece. It was a masterpiece from yeah. Vert. I mean, and we, we need got... better nicknames now for each other. <laughs> I mean, Vert is like, I love Vert. Vert is sick. Um, I want to start calling Karis, Karis, um, Karis Vert, not Karis LeVert, because he's just, oh, man. It was. It's one of the, I, I know a lot of Nets fans and Nets fans are sort of perusing because I, I miss so much of the game. It, it was reminiscent, they said it was reminiscent of D'Angelo Russell in that Sacramento Kings game. Would you agree with that, Nick? Was it better than that? I would say it was probably better in the sense that Boston is a better team. Yeah, they're dealing yeah. with injuries, but also the Nets haven't won in Boston. I want to say they said like the last seven years or something like that. So they needed that. They were down 18, and this is a team that there is some, I don't want to say bad blood, but there's definitely some tension between them with the whole Kyrie Kemba swap and all the picks and all the trades and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and whatnot. So winning here and Boston's fans chanting, where's Kyrie? And then handing them an L and, you know, your young player dropping 51 and having the best night of his career. It it was a really good win. And hopefully similar to what Sacramento, the Sacramento win did last year for the Nets, it can give them a nice boost for the final stretch of the season. I mean, we could face these guys in the playoffs. I mean, I love the it. Orlando, it would be, I mean, the storylines would be outstanding. I feel like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will probably come back. He's like, oh, I can't leave this all to baby Durant. I've got to step <laughs> up for it. I mean, we'll get to that a little bit later in the show, some some Kyrie and KD chat. But focusing on this Carol Savet performance, Nick, how did it all happen? You, you were sort of talking a little bit about, you know, Enos Cantor obviously not being the greatest from protector. Daniel Tice has played some really good basketball this season. Was it just Carol Levert was just feeling it? And obviously this is the best game of his career and probably a best game from it. Would, actually, I'll ask you this one. 
was this game better or was Kyrie Irving's opening night performance better? Well, I think this game might be better in the fact that the Nets won, but you could make maybe an argument for the Chicago game where I think Kyrie dropped 54 as well and he was like crazy efficient and he couldn't miss. But I don't know. This one felt different because it was a comeback and it wasn't expected where Kyrie's a guy that you know can drop 50. I don't think everybody knew that Karis Avert was capable of dropping 50. Yeah, 40, but 50 is a different number. It's a different amount, and especially score 37 in the fourth and overtime where your team needs every single bucket that you got when you were down 18 to start the fourth. I think this is this is just like one of my favorite games ever. Theo Pinson with LeVar Boulder, he spoke that into existence. <laughs> he there needs was, to speak there, more, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he needs to say Joe Harris is going to drop seven threes next game. And um, I mean, for those of them that haven't seen the Theo Pinson on his Twitter, I, I mean, I think it was on his Instagram first, and then someone retweeted and put it on Twitter. He's like, this boy about to drop 50, locked in, locked in. I'm like, man, that's, uh, that's some real foresight there. And I mean, I don't know how many good things we can say about this game, Nick. And, you know, against a quality performer, you know, since we've done the buzz, this might be the best performance that we have seen from a Brooklyn Nets player. It could honestly be because, I mean, this is probably the best team it was against. Like we mentioned, yeah. Kyrie did it against Minnesota. You know, at that time, they seemed like they were okay. But, you know, now in hindsight, they're a pretty bad team. Chicago, not a great team. Last year, D'Angelo against Sacramento. Sacramento, obviously not a playoff team. Boston was dealing with a lot of injuries in this game, but the Nets are never going to feel bad because they're missing Kyrie and KD and plenty of guys are banged up. So, I mean, this is, it's hard to say this isn't one of my favorite performances of all time, if not my favorite for at least the Nets performance. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, Nick, but we should get to some other. I will just say this one thing too, Jack. He had one steal and it was probably one of the sickest steals he had the entire season. He went just straight up and took the ball out of the air and then came down down with it. Like, uh, I think it was either Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart trying to throw like a pass down to the post and Karras just went straight up and grabbed it. I mean, it was his only steal of the game, but it really stuck out too. It's funny because I think Karis Avert gets compared a little bit to guys like Jalen Brown and, and and those sort of young wings on the Boston Celtics roster. And full credit where credit, credit is due. They have had a sensational season, the Boston Celtics, and they deserve all the success they've had. But tonight, Karis Avert just stepped up and was like, I'm that dude. I'm going to be that guy. Vert is going to vert. And, you know, Nick, outside of him, it was guys like Rodion Skouritz, DeAndre Jordan, Timothy Lowell Cabarro. And bloody damn Chris Chioza. Is it Chioza or Chioza? I don't even know how to say it. It sounds like a Japanese dumpling. Chioza, I think it is. Like you said, we haven't heard a lot from him. This is obviously the most minutes he's played that weren't garbage time. And honestly, Chris Chioza was a good player in this game. He wasn't anything amazing, but he just ran the show offensively, made the hustle plays. He also had a little bit easier time, I think, chasing around Kemba because he's such a smaller guard. He's able to kind of match match the shiftiness. I was really happy what I saw with Chris Gioza. And, like, it kind of made me think, and obviously it's one game, so I'm not saying this for a fact, but it makes you wonder, is like, hey, if Gioza was playing in Theo Pinson's minutes earlier in the season, would that have mm. made a difference? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and I think that, I respect, we've said a million times, and I'll say it again on this podcast, I respect the fact that Coach Kenny went with and went a little bit crazy with it. You know, we saw DeAndre Jordan play play 35 minutes, TLC play 31 minutes. Our starters, none of them cracked over 23 minutes other than Karis LeVert. You know, you get weird and wacky with it, and you throw the the playbook out the window, and you just go with gut and instinct, and this is what can happen. You can get a 50 game from Karis LeVert. You can get Chris Gioza putting up, you know, eight points and plus 29 in only 21 minutes. Rodion's Kuritz getting some confidence back and making some big plays. DeAndre Jordan, you know, returning back the clock, and TLC, you know, being a really credible performer, you know, being the 
second top scorer for this team. It's just wild stuff, Nick. How, when did this unit start to find the success? I mean, in the fourth quarter, you could kind of feel some energy, and you, you like the way they were playing. Like, you you mentioned all the guys, Chris Gioza, Rodion's TLC. You know, they're going to bring energy. They're going to bring hustle. They're going to play defense, and that's what the Nets really needed. And Karis Avert was able to kind of just do his thing offensively and carry the load. You know, DeAndre set some good screens, had some rebounds. You could tell he was probably a little bit tired towards the end of the fourth quarter. But like you mentioned, I think the one thing that really stuck out about this group playing, though, was just Kenny. Like, this is what we've kind of been asking for is like, hey, Kenny, Things have not worked with the same rotations you've used for the last five games and we're on what X amount of losing streak. Switch it up. And tonight he did that. And he also was like very willing to bench players. Torian Prince was pretty bad in the first half of this game. He went to Wilson Chandler early and you could tell like Kenny was not messing around. He was willing to try something different. Obviously, it didn't work out most of the game, but it worked out when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you you got to give him his credit. And I, and I think a, a lot of people have started to do that. And, and, and when it is, when it produces results, you can't help but go, all right, well, then this is a, 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 a lesson to look back on and go, all right, well, I just got to go with my gut and my instinct here. You know, it's not like the gap between guys like Toyin Prince and Rodion's Kuritz and Wilson Chandler is remarkable. It's not like yep. he's... We've we've advocated for it quite a bit. Toyin Prince's form hasn't been warranting the fact that he should be out there 25 plus minutes on consistent occasion. So it was nice to sort of see that from Kenny, and I'm looking forward to you know seeing the bits and pieces in the highlights and, and everything that I can watch when I do get home from work in that sort of sense. But Nick Rodion's Kuritz, 22 minutes from him. I know early on you you seemed a little bit despondent looking at some of your tweets and stuff, but what got him that confidence back? I think just playing a lot of minutes. I think it's just like playing in sh such short spurts is hard. And I still think he is a little bit hesitant on shooting that three ball. And that's really been like his issue majority of the season is he hesitates and then he travels. And we saw that happen in this game. But in the fourth quarter, he was kind of able to just play basketball and relax to an extent. And also, he had the key jump ball that allowed the Nets to get back in this game that set Karis Avert up to get fouled to take those three free throws. So without Rodion's, you know, there's no overtime. And I think just some of his hustle plays, his rebounding really stuck out in this game. There was a couple times where he just really got up and ripped the ball out of the air, and you love to see that. We talked about it a little bit last season. So maybe this could be the confidence booster for him moving forward because the Nets could use his length and his athleticism and his quickness and his little bit of pestiness, you know, like he's just an annoying player. Yeah, I think in that sort of sense, you you spoke a little bit about it there, Nick. Rhythm has always been a big key point for Rodion's courts and, and any young player. You know, you need time out there to develop a shooting rhythm, to develop a game sense, to develop a, a sense of comfort when you're out there on the floor. And, you know, he was able to be that sort of ancillary piece that provides just the requisite spark that the Nets so sorely need in terms of just to lift them in, in different occasions. And, you know, I think we look back on Rodion's courts' career as a Brooklyn net and you don't necessarily look back on gains but you look back on moments for him and he's had so many big individual moments that just lift the team and that there aren't many players that have that ability to do so and you know for a guy of his age and his ilk i, I mean I, he's always going to have the up and downs it's been a roller coaster of, of emotions on and off the court for, for a guy like him but you know it's good to see him out there you know making a making an impact when it really did matter and then you know tlc it was uh, it was waterfalls for my dude yeah, and I would just say for Rodion's, uh, he just has that X-Factor vibe where it's just like he's going to be really good or really bad and he can make those plays. You know, I don't know why this game pops in my head, but from last season when Rodion's had like four steals against Detroit and it helped like set the momentum for the Nets to blow them out in the playoff race, it just felt like a really big moment. But moving to TLC, 
One thing that stuck out for him tonight, five offensive rebounds. He was just everywhere. He was just running around, getting all the loose balls, and it was just like, all right, man, we know you're trying to win this game and do whatever you can out there. So big respect factor for him. And even having a matchup with Jalen Brown, like he fought through it knowing that Jalen Brown is just physically stronger than him. I appreciated the effort that TLC put in. The Nets wouldn't be here without any of the five guys that finished. Yeah, I mean, all credit where credit is due to those guys. I mean, out of outside of that sort of really stalwart, insane bench unit, Nick, were there any takeaways from the guys like Jared Allen, Spencer Dimwitty, you know, Garrett Temple, uh, Wilson Chandler, any, and obviously Toy and Prince? Were there anything that they sort of did in moments throughout the game that sort of stuck out, stuck out to you? You know, honestly, it just didn't feel like it was a good game for Joe Harris. Didn't feel like it was a good game for Torian Prince. And even Jared Allen had some good moments, but he also had some bad moments. I didn't think it was anything bad from Spencer, but I think the other guys were kind of rightfully benched where they just were having that type of off night. Garrett Temple airballed a couple shots. He kind of looked banged up. I think he has a right uh, shoulder sprain, so that made sense. Wilson Chandler kind of looked old tonight. And pretty much the five guys that finished were the five guys that stuck out. Everyone else pretty much uh, played badly. Like, that's just how it is. And Kenny was able to be lucky enough to find the right combination. I feel like we need to name that lineup now. But uh, I'm happy he did. Yeah, big time. Absolutely big time. In the last sort of play, Nick, were you surprised – and how poorly the Boston Celtics... I mean, we've got to throw some shade at the Boston Celtics. Yeah. We've gotten plenty of it over the past, I don't know, three, four years. Were you surprised at the foul that was given? Was it Tice or was it Smart that it ended up being caught on? Because I couldn't actually you know, find and, and, and necessarily hear it from Iron Eagle. I had to sort of turn on my phone off when the kids started coming in. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Someone actually ruined it for me because I watch on a stream. So I'm slightly delayed. Somebody texted me. and was like, I can't believe they fouled. And I was like, bro, you just, <laughs> you're ahead. <laughs> but but it, it is what it is. So I, I saw that. I think it was Marcus Smart who committed the foul. And the other two guys were just there because Brad Stevens had a comment after the game saying he didn't want Smart to foul. And it looked like Smart was trying to foul before he even got the shot off. And Karras was just kind of heady about it. And like you mentioned earlier, I was, I was super hyped that he hit all three. But I was surprised how bad Boston played I mean they let the net score 51 points in a quarter that is wild like it's insane they didn't even score 51 points in the first half it's insane it's insane I mean it was uh not the smartest decision from Marcus uh if you want to pardon my pun pardon my pun there Uh, but in that speaking more holistically about Karis Levertnik before we get to some you know KD and Kyrie news does this reassert your confidence the fact that Karis LeVert can be the third piece that this team needs in their race for a championship going into 2021 yeah just erase everything I said on the last podcast it's, honestly it's <laughs> one game it's stupid but you know like sometimes you have that irrational feeling and my irrational feeling is that Karis LeVert needs to be the guy in this team because as good as Spencer is I'm not sure he can drop 50 in a game and I think just having that next factor and then also the three-point shooting was really impressive tonight and he continued to grow obviously the biggest factor for Karis moving forward is his health and consistency but the tools are there and even if it was in some type of like six-man role I think I, I'm putting all my chips back on Karis Avert's side of the table I can't believe I took any off I'm going all in right now you can keep this podcast this is the receipt right here Jack but that's my vote for next year yeah, well, Vegas turned you crazy, bro. You, <laughs> you, you jumped off the bandwagon, you boy. I don't know what you were drinking there and whatever other substances you were doing over there. It, it made you crazy, my dude. It's like me going off the bandwagon of Joe Harris. I wasn't fully a- off. I just made the ra- – I was being rational, which is just not fun. 
Yeah, I think you bought a, you know, you, you added your foot in, in, in too many boats, too many carts and in that sort of sense. You know, you just got to be all in on one, mate, all in on one. And, you know, if you're wrong, you're wrong. I mean, I've been irrationally wrong about so many different things when it comes to basketball since I've been with OTG. It's not funny. But we <laughs> should get to those two superstars anyway. Kyrie Irving had the shoulder surgery, Nick. And uh, I mean, it's not necessarily anything to sort of chat about. It's just sort of news that we, we need to sort of mention. Do you think it took too long? Do you think that it's surprising the timing of it? Um, obviously, you know, he was going to get it one way or another. Um, what do you think about, I guess, the news that sort of came out over the coming sort of day or so? I'm happy you got it done. I was actually thinking about it yesterday. I was like, all right, well, now I'm starting to get a little concerned because if they wait any longer, it's going to like linger into next season and maybe he's not ready for training camp or he's not ready for the start of the season, depending on how serious the surgery is because we really don't know much about it. I was pretty relieved that it's taken care of and we're all set up for next year and we're good to go. Speaking of being set up for next year, uh, before the game, Kenny was asked a little bit about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And this is uh, via Brian Lewis. So Kevin Durant was with the Nets in Miami. Uh, he was also asked if he made the trek with the team up to Boston. And he said, I don't want to comment on his whereabouts. He wouldn't like that. Obviously, we know our dude likes his privacy. Any KD spotting at uh, the old TD Garden? No, I don't think so. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if KD was in the locker room watching the game. Because if you recall last year with Golden State during some of the games... He wasn't actually on the court. He was in the locker room and waiting for them when they came back. So I think that's probably what happened in Miami. I wouldn't be surprised what happened in Boston. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make the trip because they're going back to Brooklyn tomorrow night. Yeah, big time. Staying with those superstars, I guess, as well, Nick. The Olympics talk and the Olympics chatter, the squad's been announced. You know, Joe Harris is on it. And, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are obviously on it as well. Matisse Tybel is going to be playing for the Australia. Yes, come on, baby. We're coming for gold. Ben Simmons is playing. Oh, sorry, getting a bit uh, too Aussie for my liking. Let's stay on the Brooklyn Nets. But with the Brooklyn Nets, Kenny said that he doesn't want to speculate on Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving playing in the Olympics. That's our job. Let's speculate, Nick. Yeah, I definitely don't want Kyrie playing the Olympics because the shoulder surgery is still going to be pretty fresh. It just doesn't really make sense for him. Part I'm like torn on the Kevin Durant thing. I've heard it from both sides. The Nets fans were like, hey, the Nets are paying, paying him if he gets injured in the Olympics. It's so terrible. But then the other part of the argument is, all right, he goes and plays in the Olympics and now all this rust is off. And then by the time the season starts, he's good to go. It just also kind of depends on how much you value the regular season and how long you think it's going to take for Katie to get his rust off and how concerned you are about if he's going to re-injure that, you know, Achilles. Yeah, I mean, Stephen A. Smith made a, an impassioned sort of Brooklyn Nets side of things where he was like, you know, who's paying your checks? It's not the, the Olympic committee. It's the Brooklyn Nets. They're the ones that, you know, he's getting paid to rehab for us. He's playing basketball for us. I get that side of things. And I mean, we, we love Fenton sitting on this podcast, but I think I'm probably leaning a little bit more towards the Olympic side of things where he can play, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game in a controlled environment with some quality medical and performance stuff. At the end of the day, I think these superstars, supersede their organizations and i think that there needs to be a trust within them to do whatever you know they see fit they think will help them there will obviously be a two-way dialogue but i'm kind of leaning towards the olympics nick do you have a side yet i mean you put out the poll were there results for that yet uh there are results i have to look them up real quick but um i'm not I'll jump really... on your twitter i'll jump okay. on mate. You, you chat away you chat away what do you think I, I'm not really like you kind of said. I think it's kind of up to Kevin Durant. Like it's not like right. you get a ton of opportunities to perform in the Olympics and win gold medals. You know what I mean? And we know that people do value gold mem uh, medals and the relationships they make because 
the Nets probably don't have this team if they never have KD and DeAndre at the Olympics and Kyrie there, and they're all creating that friendship. So I think it's the guys value it. It's something different. I think there's another factor to think of. There's been some talk about the Olympics being postponed because of the coronavirus. So how would that play a role as well? Yeah, I think that, you know, the the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne, in my hometown, is also the speculation that that might not happen either. So, I mean, the impact that it's having on the NBA and worldwide is is certainly quite profound, and uh, it, it could make it that way, and it could make this conversation null and void, and, and your poll results as well, which are, uh, offer uh, quite a few votes. Should KD play in the Olympics? 33% said yes, 52% no, 14% I don't care. I vote for I don't care. <laughs> I bet if I don't care because I'm like, I want him to do whatever that he feels is right because, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, obviously, you look at the worst case scenario of the Olympics is KD re-injuring himself. But wouldn't he have just re-injured himself in, our, in a situation anyway? Isn't he going to be doing practices and, you know, five-on-five scrimmages anyway if he is in Brooklyn? Wouldn't you want it to be in a more controlled setting against some of the best players in the world? You know, you get those competitive juices flowing and KD can sort of feel himself. He's like, okay, I've still got this. I can still compete with these guys. I feel like that would almost be a better setting to bring out the KD that we want back and uh, uh, better than ever. Yeah, I think uh, they're, they're going to scrimmage regardless. Like NBA players are going to play basketball during the summer. There's very few that don't. And, you know, KD's one of the guys that just loves ball. So he's going to be out there just doing it. I think... Uh, like you said, Jack, it's kind of whatever Kevin Durant wants to do. We're not here to yeah. tell him how to live his life like 900 other people did when he signed with the Nets. But <laughs> In that sense, Nick, also, am I wrong in saying that I think I saw KD is now participating in three-on-three three scrimmages? Yes, that's the, Chris Haynes reported that during the game. So just dropping little bits of news to make us happy as yeah. Nets fan. So, yeah. I mean, I know there's still a few people on Nets Twitter holding out hope that we will see Kevin Durant this year. I, I think it's unlikely with the Kyrie thing. If Kyrie was healthy and the Nets were over 500, I think you could make a case. But at the point that they're at now, I just, I'm just i just unsure, and it just doesn't seem like it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, the Glue Guys in their podcast and uh, have certainly been on that bandwagon. And uh, I think that, you know, there's – where there is a will, and then, I mean, it's been ruled out. We've seen, I, I think I said on a previous podcast that, you know, Kevin Durant's mother came out and said that, you know, he ain't playing. And, you know, if you do what your mother says at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, you do what your mama says. And <laughs> I think that Ke- Kevin Durant is going to be doing that. Uh, I, I see it incredibly unlikely, incredibly unlikely. You know, we do our percentages pretty ad hoc on this podcast i would put it less than five percent that he's pulling on the black and white for the first time you know come the playoffs or come april yeah it pains my heart to say it's probably like five percent and i was i was very high like like i said if Kyrie was there and the season was going differently i could definitely see it because if he's already playing three on three i think there'd be a chance that maybe by the end of the month he would be able to willing to test it out but i think at the point they're at now See what you got. Let baby Durant do his thing. Drop 50 again this year, and we're good to go. Yes, big time, big time. May I also shout out to the tailors of – who's the tailor again that I had to do the, the measurements for? Men's Warehouse. Men's Warehouse. The black and white, Nick. Wonderful color scheme. I like those two colors quite a bit. Jack, we can't talk about them. They're not giving us free money. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, betonline.ag. Make sure you're doing all your sports betting there. There is absolutely insane. I mean, you're going to be getting lots of money back, especially you bet on those Brooklyn Nets tonight, baby. Then who knows what could happen? You could have been rolling in the cash. You I could have gone to Vegas wonder- another time, Nick. 
if you did like the prop bets on like Karis LeVert on his like over and under for scoring tonight, you probably could have made a ton of money, especially if you bet in like the fourth quarter numbers. Just re- or even if you just bet the Nets at like the end of the game because they were down 18, you're like, ah, oh, we got the comeback, we're doing it. Give me that betonline.ag. All right, Jack, that wraps it up. As always, a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.